Welcome back to Interjections. I, Jay, am your guest host for today, as Andrew is... I don't actually know where he is. I believe he said he was... Uh, is that a wedding? Fly? Is that a wedding? That's right. Is, is that a wedding? Hopefully not his own, but uh, in any instance. Welcome back, boys. Today we have Sterling joining us again. Thank you, Sterling. How have you been? I've been fantastic. Uh, a lot of inter-victories between... Uh, the last time I was on and now. So, um, you know, not too much to, to really complain about. And we got another big one today against Lazio. So things are going well. You leave the complaining to me, all right? Because uh, we'll get there. Miko, <laughs> have fun. How you guys have been? Some, trust me. <laughs> Miko, have fun. How you guys been? Yeah, thanks. I, I'm fine as, as usual, intervening. So not much to complain. Yeah, same here. <laughs> All good, all good. I mean, we uh, the ball keeps rolling. Uh, the league is clearly being prioritized, which we'll get into. So no complaints from me. Good win today. See, that sounds like an innocuous statement, but I know it's designed to trigger me when you say the league is being prioritized. <laughs> so we'll, eventually, we'll eventually get there, but let's start with the Lazio victory. That was uh, fairly... Straightforward, wasn't it? How do you, how did you guys feel about that? Let's start with uh, let's start with Sterling. Yeah, so um, I thought this was a very mature performance. Um, that's pretty much the the best way that I can put it. You know, obviously the first thirty minutes or so um, looked really poor from an Inter perspective. Um, I don't know, maybe we had a little bit of a negative mentality against this team. They seem to be kind of one of our bogey teams. Um, I know, obviously, they have the past with. Inzaghi being their manager prior to coming to Inter. But um, for the first 30 minutes, we really were pressed back um, a bit like the Sociedad game. Um, we just kind of sat on our own box and just kind of waited them out. The only real dangerous move that came in the first 30 minutes was really a piece of individual brilliance from Taram, which, you know, we know he can always bring. He's always capable of doing something uh, like that. But really, we didn't connect at all. Um, we weren't really able to move our lineup very high. We kind of just, uh, you know, we, we had no connection in the, in the attacking third whatsoever. Um, however, you know, one thing I'll say about this inter team is that we kind of have the feeling of being inevitable now. Um, you know, that's, I think what you get from teams that are really true contenders for a Scudetto, you know, we can sit deep and we can um, look like we're under the cosh for, you know, 10, 15, hell, 30 minutes today. But you just know that um, at some point we're going to get our chance. Um, and obviously, eventually that chance did come and it fell to the right person in Lautaro. Um, and, you know, he, he took it. Um, now, I think he he, uh, he he was close to not taking it. But, you know, at the end of the day, he did take it. And that's really all that matters. But, you know, what, that's what I'll say about this inter team is that right now we just kind of have that, that feeling of, um, you know, no matter how we're playing, we know that we're going to get a chance, and if we get a chance, we can certainly hurt you. Yeah, I really like that description of we have that sense of inevitability. Uh, Irfan, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think Sterling summed it up pretty well. I thought we started off not that great. You know, I, I, I'm starting to realize now when I think as fans and you know, especially us who who watch pretty consistently, I think we can start to see when this team comes out a little nervous. I, I wouldn't say scared, but definitely nervous. Like when they're giving the opposing team a little too much credit or they're giving them a little bit, you know, more, uh, I don't know, deference than we should. 
Uh, and so I feel like they came out that way against Lazio um, today, and it's very similar to the way we pretty much consistently play against Juventus. And so I think that had me pretty nervous in the in the beginning uh, of the match. But then, you know, I, to be perfectly honest, I feel like Lotaro kind of saved a lot of stress on us because, I mean, it was a very clearly errant back pass. Good on him to be alert and pressing like he always does. And he made the, you know, he made the interception and then dribbled around and, and, and you know, scored. So good on him to do that. But, you know, before that, I mean, we didn't look, in my opinion, that great. I mean, we, I think the way Sterling said it, it's a mature performance. I agree there. I think it was very mature, kind of calm performance. But I just, I, I didn't see the same confidence that we go into usually in these matches um, that, you know, I didn't see that today against Lazio that we usually have against other teams. I think it is one of those teams that for some reason we always come out a little cagey. We give them way too much respect, especially like the reality on the ground. Like this isn't the Lazio that is really competing for a top four spot. I mean, they're not that great. Um, they're in the Champions League. They played midweek just like us. Uh, and given the result in the midweek for us, we should have came come into this week really uh, fired up and ready to go and, you know, maybe get a statement kind of win. I think it was a comprehensive win, but I wouldn't say this was a statement win. In, in a way, does the result from earlier in the week, does that put more pressure on the team, you know, in a way when they're coming out because it's like, hey, we know that we didn't get the result against Sociedad and we basically rested players so that we would be ready for this game. Now we have to win. Right. Um, yeah. do, do you guys feel like maybe that that kind of plays into it a little bit? I think so. I think it could have. Miko, what do you think? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like this team is like they're focused on all competitions. But then the Inzaghi has a different ideas. And I, I think they, they're like they're going going for every match but uh for this one uh i want to say that um, for me this this had like a blueprint from the napoli inter match was it a week ago or when when was it that at the start the whole home team take control and they pressure us and in this one i think lazio was even better than napoli was when Napoli pressured us for the first, what was it, half an hour, and now it was like 40 minutes, and Lazio was, they were, they were even better than Napoli was. And I don't know, I, I feel like it could be that we we just don't want to spend our energy at the start. And if if, if the opponent comes at us like, like Lazio did today, uh, it feels like we just, we just, Try to like uh, take it and absorb the pressure, and just try not to concede, and then reserve the energy for the rest of the match. But uh, but uh, given that in the Napoli match we got the odd odd Chalhanoglu wonder goal, and and in this one we got the like a super mistake by was it Marusic or someone. Uh, it wasn't like we hit them hard when there's a spot. It was more like, <laughs> at least in this match, like they gave it to us. So, but it it is what it is. It, it, uh, for this match, I felt like 
most of uh, most of all the matches this season, this was like most most for us the Juve kind of style. They've they've been getting points. We we just like <laughs> do almost nothing at the start, and they uh, then they, they just somehow get the points and. It felt a bit like that in this match, even even though in the second half we were able to keep the ball a bit better, and at times we we kept it very well and cycled it cycled it, but uh, but even then the, the Turam goal was I don't, I don't know I think it it was a bit out of out of the blue as well, but uh, anyway. This was like a very major, major way to uh, to like hand, handle the match, and and keep the result. When when we had the uh, zero one situation, then we had the second goal, and then Lazio was still maybe a bit dangerous, but they didn't manage to like get the ball to the box to any any kind of dangerous areas. At least I don't remember. How about you, Jay? Yeah, um, I agree that I feel like the match didn't really ever eclipse like a six or seven out of ten in intensity or in or in uh, energy for both sides. Like it just felt like a quite a dull affair for both teams. Emo, uh, sorry, Lazio were very toothless, as you guys mentioned. This is not the same Lazio from last season where they were runners up or even you know previous seasons. This is a lot too. That's in eleventh place, I believe. They've scored after today. They've now scored sixteen goals in seventeen league games. So they can't score, man. They've lost Milinkovic Savic. Uh, Immobile looks like he's completely finished. And I don't know why Luis Alberto was on the bench today, but uh, Kamada has not been particularly impressive since he joined. So it's a lot here. That's just probably the worst. Lazio side in the last uh, couple of years. Um, and I think we kind of just managed the damage that uh, the um, the modest danger that this Lazio presented. We didn't need to defend particularly hard. It wasn't like last-ditch desperate defending. It was fairly well-contained. Um, and then we, we didn't perhaps need to force too many opportunities because two came up. Um, Obviously, the counter with Taram and after Taram, Mkhitaryan had a good chance as well, almost identical to to Taram's. Um, and then the uh, the first goal from the back pass from Marisic, like they, as Mika mentioned, they're both kind of against the run of play. But maybe we didn't need to. Um, maybe we didn't need to score when the play was going our way or force the play to go our way and then gradually build and then score because of these opportunities being presented to us against the run of play, if you know what I mean. I would say that one thing that I think Inzaghi has realized, um, especially this year, is that, you know, we, we have difference makers in this team and, and not every team in this league does. Um, and I think you kind of saw that today where, you know, we have a real tip at the end of our spear. Uh, we have the ability to really hurt teams uh, obviously, we have the most informed striker in the league. Uh, we have probably the second most informed striker in the league partnering him. Um, and so, you know, if we, you know, we, we're not afraid to park the bus this year. Um, we'll sit deep because we know that eventually when that chance comes, we have players that 
will take that chance. And, you know, Miko made a really good point earlier in comparing this game to the Napoli game, where, again, you know, against the run of play around the 40th minute, all of a sudden, you know, Chalinoglu pulls, you know, essentially a wonder strike out of nowhere. Well, you know, is it out of nowhere or do we just have players who can make the difference, um, you know, week in and, and week out? So, you know, sometimes just putting your team in a position to where you don't let other teams beat you by making mistakes and just wait for them to make a mistake because you know you have better players. I mean, essentially what Allegri's done in this league for 10 years. Yeah, well, I mean, how often do we complain about about Juve as as um, Mika so correctly compared? Like, I mean, we've all done it. We've all watched a Juve game kind of like expecting or like hoping them to drop points. And then like, you know, oh, Genoa is playing pretty well. I think they can grab a draw here. And then next thing you know, Badel just gives the ball away like a dickhead. And then it's a Juventus penalty. And you're like, oh, fuck this. How do they always yeah. win like this? You know, I mean, they did end up drawing the Genoa game, but you get my point. At that stage in the game, it looked like yet another routine Juventus 1-0 victory. And that's how so many of their victories have come. Um, and today kind of looked like that for us. We weren't doing much. Um, Lazio were, you know, I guess to the eye test, the, the better team for the first uh, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, albeit they didn't make many chances, but they looked better than us. Their play was nicer. They looked a bit smoother. And then... You know, if you're a Milan fan or a Juve fan watching us, hoping for us to slip up, what happens? Marisic gives the ball away like a clown, and then we get a free goal, and, and it's infuriating. So, you know, we've been there on the opposite side many times. And as Stelding said, sometimes it is just a case of not letting the opponent, you know, play to their best against you, and then having the the system as well as the personnel in place to to take advantage of micro uh chances or or small mistakes presented by the opponent like how many times do we have we seen someone like um you know back in the day uh i'm thinking the likes of pogba tevez you know vidal these kind of guys just getting a wonder goal or 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 scoring through individual brilliance from juventus or even like recently they've been maybe not recently but last season and a half they've been relying a lot on someone like Chiesa and Vlaovic to make things out of nowhere while the rest of the team does pretty much fuck all and you know to win like that occasionally is not a bad thing by any by any stretch of the imagination so I'm glad to see we're injecting a little bit of that kind of cynicism into the team like we can't be too gung-ho like we were last season so I think but I think in you know, Inzaghi still is a coach who's learning on the job in a way um, maybe seems a bit too, I don't know, maybe seems a bit too much of a blanket statement to say something like this, but I feel until he wins the league, he's still somewhat unproven. You know what I mean? For as much good as he's done since he's come here, he's always just finished, you know, second place, lost the league to Milan, lost the Champions League title, uh, to Man City, uh, didn't compete for the league really last season. So, you know, he's yet to win that big trophy, either, the, you know, the Champions League or, or the league title. Um, so until then, I still consider him to be kind of learning and he's showing uh, that adaptation, that learning by incorporating some some uh, Juventus-like defensive cynicism and uh, that infuriating ability to, to win while not playing well. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, go ahead, Miko. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was about to mention uh, uh, that um, that kind of cynicism that I mentioned earlier, and I wanna repeat myself a bit about the the first half and how I think we were really poor, and I wanna get your thoughts, guys. Do do we like like I suggested that maybe we just like reset the energy a bit and we don't like we don't like run enough because it felt like our players like they couldn't connect like three passes together maybe occasionally but not not in a uh, consistently or or in a consistent way and i felt like uh is this like a planned <laughs> planned thing because it looked pretty pretty weird that they just didn't run at all and there were no not, nowhere to pass the ball, and then the defenders then had to like a like a shoot the ball uh, to Lazio's half, and there was no one getting it. And it felt felt that okay, what is this thing? But uh, did did you guys get that feeling, or or how do you see it? I, I, it sounded like you you didn't like consider that too big of an issue, but. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing I think the thing that concerned me was uh, maybe there's something to that. I, I do think that um, Inzaghi views each match as like a bunch of different kind of matches. Like, so I think like I don't know if it's so rigid that it's like a 30 minute period or, a, or or like a you know first half versus second half. But I do think he he views the game in segments um, because the way he kind of operates it seems like that's the way he does with with substitutions with with everything um but i think one thing that is clear with him is that he is pretty risk averse right I, I think he's pretty cautious and i think that's not a that's not necessarily like a bad thing it's not an insult because i think when it comes to the league i think he's realized that it's actually important to be a little cautious like you know how, how many times do we keep making fun of the fact that he will literally sub out anyone who has a uh, yellow card, you know, um, you just know for a fact, if someone gets a yellow card, he's going to sub them out. Well, I think he's kind of learned that message that, you know, we have to, we, he doesn't want to lose games, right? I think his whole thing is like, if we get beat, that's fine, but we're not going to lose the match like by ourselves. And I think that's his kind of philosophy. And and so it wouldn't surprise me if he does go into the, the match with this idea of like, okay, we're away from home. Uh, Lazio is a, is a decent team. They have trouble scoring, so let's not in the first, you know, 30, 40 minutes uh, give them any chance to, uh, you know, get us on the counter or, or give them an advantage or like, you know, let's not lose our shape in the first 30, 40 minutes because this is a team that struggles to score. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some element of strategy to that. The thing I think that concerns me, I, I'm extremely impressed by the way, extremely impressed by the way we defend as a team. I think our team defense and it's not just an individual player. It's a combination of the players, the tactics, um, just everything. It, it, it's really impressive the way we defend. I mean, I think we're, we're defensive juggernauts, let alone, you know, let's ignore the, the Joe Mario Patrick for a second. Um, but I think that otherwise we're really good team defense. But what concerns me is I don't think any of us can make the argument that if Taram and Lataro weren't starting today and starting together today, that we would have won this match. I think we would have ended up drawing. 
And that that's what concerns me. You know, you talk about the tip of the spear. So let's talk about the tip, just the tip for a second. And I think ultimately it, without Lotaro and Taram, we're, we're in a whole world of trouble with this team. I mean, the, the, the other attackers are, they're just, they're so deficient in the way Inzaghi plays that it really concerns me um, whenever those two are not on the pitch together, basically. It can't even be like one and then Sanchez or one and then uh, Arnautovic. Like, it really has to be both of them. Otherwise, it just doesn't seem like we, we do well at all. Maybe I'm overreacting to the midweek match, but that's just the way it seems. And yet, uh, in, in if you were to grade all six Champions League group stage games you know, in order from hardest to easiest, you probably have Sociedad away and Sociedad home as your hardest and second hardest. And then your third most difficult game would probably be Benfica away. Um, and yet in those three most difficult games, we did not start Latara and Taram together in, either, in any of those three games, which was kind of puzzling. Um, I think... Yeah, I think we only started them together at home against Benfica, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, something like that. We, we only, yeah, I think we, we really played only a lot played of our, Yeah, we, I think we really only played our starters at, at home against Benfica. But really quickly, just to go back um, to, to what Irfan was saying, um, you know, first thing I want to talk on the, about the defense, seven goals allowed in 16 games is an insane stat. Uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, we, we touch on that because that's 0.4 goals a game that we're giving up. And if you are that stout defensively, uh, you're going to win a lot of games across, you know, a, a season, right? So, um, you know, obviously, I don't know if we're going to be able to extrapolate that out across 38 games, but, you know, we're almost halfway and, um, you know, to only give up seven goals, if we can keep up, you know, even a uh, even a slightly close defensive record to that, you know, we have a really good chance at a Scudetto. Um, but yeah, to, to move on to, to what Irfan was saying about the backup strikers, I mean, that that is the terrifying part of this team, right? Um, you know, I think that we have legitimate cover in just about every position with the exception of the two strikers. Um, if something were to happen to, you know, Lautaro or Taram really um, for an extended period of time, and we had to go a month or two um, with just playing, you know, Sanchez or Arnautovic uh, as a support striker, uh, I, I would really be worried about um, what it would do to the Serie A title race. And also, you know, if we were to get, uh, we're going to get a tough team in um, in Europe, no matter what, basically now for the round of 16, I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But, um, you know, w we really need to have both of them fit and available for the remainder of the season, unless we're able to do something in January, um, because the, the drop off between them and the next guys is just way too large right now. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I think that there may be some hope for Arnautovic. You know, I, I do try and keep in mind that both of these guys have had injuries. Both of them did not have a preseason as well. That makes a big difference, especially when you're talking about guys who are well into their 30s. You know, they have they take time to get up to speed. Um, I do think Arnautovic could potentially be useful down the stretch if he can stay fit and get into a you know, run of games under his belt. Um, however, I, I think Sanchez is just washed at this point. Um, I don't really see much redeeming uh, quality there to the point where honestly, if we're going to need to play somebody there long term, I would almost prefer Miklatarian to um, to to be the support striker and just to play Fratesi um, and just, you know, we can go even more defensively stout uh, because I, I really don't think that we have much there um, from from Sanchez or Arnautovic. Not sure if you guys feel otherwise. 
he was uh sanchez was <laughs> conveniently uh, absent for today due to fatigue and obviously the first question is fatigue from from what exactly like he's, he's barely played and yet he's fatigued that's a that's a terrible sign you know i had this thought midweek about sanchez he just I don't know where it came from, but this I had this trope in my mind of like this kind of washed up rock star, you know, you're thinking like the kind of Axl Rose or John Bon Jovi style, but, you know, but worse, like a B grade Axl Rose, you know, uh, maybe had a few hits in the nineties, but, and sold out stadiums. Uh, but now no one, you know, now no one gives a fuck. No one really wants to hear him sing or perform and he can't perform anyway. His voice is washed from, from decades of that sex, drugs and rock and roll lifestyle. And, you know, nowadays uh, at the at the nursing home or at Christmas dinner, he he uh, no one asks him to, but he he takes out his guitar and kind of starts doing a terrible rendition of his of his old hits, and his grandchildren are like, yeah, "Gee, thanks, granddad." You know, who asked you? Kind of thing. That's that's Sanchez. That's Sanchez, and we're the fucking grandchildren, and we have to like endure this horrendous performance, just this sad performance of what he once used to be. <laughs> And I really resent the fact that we have to kind of like hold this this recital for him to kind of, you know, re momentarily relive his past glories when he should have just fucked off like years ago. I really kind of resent that because at the end of the day, the ones who suffer are us. And as uh, Sterling just so accurately mentioned, Al Scudetto chances, if Lautaro or if Taram is injured for like, you know, a month or more, we're pretty much fucked. Like we can't risk either of them being out of the team. And we see what happens when either one of them is not starting. We just lose so much speed, so much mobility up front. Uh, Arnautovic is kind of okay at playing hold up and Sanchez does offer some degree of like movement and a little bit of technique and stuff up front. But I think these two are very... um rare kind of redeeming factors amid what is at a big picture level to just really, really unreliable, non-productive, unproductive backup forwards. You need to be able to win games with your backup forwards. And I just, I don't trust these guys to to score goals, let alone win games. Um, probably a good time to touch briefly upon the uh, midweek game. Uh, I know a lot's been said about this game already, but Let's get some final thoughts. Uh, Miko, how did you feel about the, the draw to Sociedad? Yeah, I remember that I predicted like a like a three one or something and could it be couldn't be further from from the reality. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was a bit disappointing, but on the other hand, maybe the expectations were a bit different than what it should have been, because it was quite close, uh, close the same as in the away match in a sense that Sociedad ran the match uh, at least ball possession wise at the start. Uh, okay, the difference was that we we defended much better, and then we in the first half we actually got the best chances. I think we didn't create like much, but we we got some some good counters uh, <clears throat> as for the starting lineup i think we all expected the the full uh full first team 
and that wasn't the case. We missed like Barella and Lautaro and uh, and Bastoni wasn't starting, but I guess that that's understandable. But Barella and Lautaro not starting was quite a clear message message that okay, we are we are definitely prioritizing Scudetto this season, and uh, and there's no way no way not a- acknowledging that. But as for as for the game, uh, in the first half, I was after the first half, I was I was like mildly mildly okay with that because we we looked pretty pretty good defensively and we got got the counters. But in the second half, that that wasn't like a, I don't know that was a bit of a letdown because we we didn't manage to like create I don't know did we create like any chances in the second half, even after Barella and, and and Lautaro came in, it felt like felt like we just couldn't break the their defense. And and I have to say that we need to give credit to Sociedad as well. We just can't can't say that okay, it was our home match and uh, of course we should win. Okay, yeah, we should win win our home matches. There's there's no denying that but uh, we need to give credit to the opponent if they are playing really well and they, they were playing well really well I, I was going on record as saying in regards to the Sociedad game that I was okay with the rotation I, I thought that the rotation was um, probably the right decision by Inzaghi um, where I had an issue was the substitution of Taram um, when we bring on Lautaro, um, at the same time you take off Taram, in my opinion, that sends the wrong message to yeah, the What's team. the point? What's the point, seriously? Yeah, um, it's like, you know, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, in that moment, you're, you're at home, um, you know, you have about 30 minutes or so left in the match. I mean, at least give them 15 or 20 minutes. You know, you, you don't have to. I understand if you want to take him off with, you know, 10 minutes left because you want to save him. But, I mean, realistically, is is Marcus Taram, who is, you know, 26 years old, if he plays 15 or 20 more minutes, is that going to mean that he can't go again at the weekend? Um, you know, if he is slightly more tired at the weekend, does that mean that we can't beat a 10th place Lazio? Um, you know, I, I to me, that kind of brought back some old... Inzaghi memories uh, that I'm not so fond of <laughs> games where, you know, for example, the famous one obviously being that uh, that game against Milan where he made the subs and all of a sudden, you know, Giroud's turning um, DeVry and, and scoring a winner. And obviously we go on to lose that Scudetto. Um, you know, it it's just reminded me of times where in the past he was not ruthless enough. Um, I, I just feel like that's where he can still take that final step as a manager because I just know if it was Mourinho on the side for example even if it was Conte on the side um, they would have wanted that first place and I really wanted that first place and I think the team did as well but you know when you take off Taram who was having a fantastic game and obviously you you guys you know we we just spent uh, a decent amount of time talking about how poor our backups are on the forward line you know when you when you're playing with one of those guys up there the rest of the team knows that they don't really that the chances of them getting that winner have decreased dramatically at that point. 
And I think you could see it in the in the response in the second half. I think the team was waiting for that moment to push and try and get the winner. And that moment just really never came. So I, I, that was what really frustrated me because if you look at how the Champions League is lining up, I mean, man, that that could really, we could look back at that and say that was a really bad decision uh, because we were going to get a really good team in the round of 16. And look, I, I'm a, I understand that there's no guarantees in the Champions League. You know, we could get a second place team and we could still potentially go out. I, I also understand that we could have kept Taram and Lautaro on for the rest of the game and we may have not scored. Um, and I could live with that, right? I can live with either of those things, but it just felt like we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. It felt like an own goal by not just pushing in that situation to get that goal and to, you know, finish first place in a Champions League group for the first time in a long time. I can't even remember a time in my inter-career where we finished in the first place. Even when we won the treble, um, we didn't finish in first place. And, you know, it's also worth money to this team as well, right? It's worth money to the club. Um, so, yeah, I, I just didn't like the decision there. Um, that's really where I took issue. I was fine with the rotation, but when you have a chance to win a game and it's in your backyard, I think you got to go for it. Yeah, I got, I got to say before we move on or before, Jay, you jump in on this. I, yeah, Look, I think we've all been fairly measured here, uh, and I've spent most of my time on this podcast defending Inzaghi. I, I have to kind of lay into him on this one. Like, I, it was a chicken shit performance. It's just not okay because, again, I also understand the rotation to start the, the match. That was fine. And honestly, you talk about, like, strategy, like uh, Miko was saying about against Lazio, against Napoli. Like, if you want to come out in the first 30, 40 minutes and start a few subs and contain them and don't let them score and all this sort of stuff, that's fine, right? But I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, we made it 45 minutes with this conservative, like, lineup, you know, not full rotation, but meaningful rotation. Now it's time to, like, you know, put our foot on the pedal and start the second half and just 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 run these guys out. I mean, we're at home. This is Real Sociedad. This isn't Barcelona. This isn't Real Madrid. This isn't like, you know, um, some crazy club, Bayern, yeah. that we can't – I mean, it, it was just not okay to not start the second half, like immediately putting our foot on the gas. And then, like Sterling mentioned, taking out – to Ram, when you put Lataro in, that it, it's almost unforgivable to me. I mean, let them play even 10, 15 minutes, and they probably would have scored, you know? And and even if they didn't, at least you know you tried. And this goes back to my one complaint with Inzaghi. Going into this stretch, and I, and I give him credit too, going into this stretch, he clearly knew that this is the critical time for our league chances. Clearly, we're prioritizing the league, and I'm fine with all that. But he is still playing the schedule the way it's on paper and not the reality, right? Like he played against a Juventus team that is like much inferior to the way they have been previously um, in a lot of ways. And even though they're grinding out good performances now, I'll, I'll admit, but, and then the same thing with this Lazio team, like there's way too much respect given to these teams when we don't necessarily need to do that. And same thing with the champions league. Yes, we qualified. We know we're going into the next round, the next round and the draw is a crapshoot. You can get a really tough team, even if you're uh, the top of the, you know, top of your group. And, and, and like on paper, that all sounds great. But you had such an opportunity. You had an opportunity where you saw all of these teams that are clearly the best teams were all topping their group. 
Okay. It's not like other years where it's honestly like a mix, right? Here, like you could see this year, all of the top teams seem to be getting the top spot. You're at home against Real Sociedad, which is not that great of a team. And you're 45 minutes in, it's 0-0. You need one goal. And you're not going to try to go all out to get that goal. I just, I, I don't understand that mentality, especially with the way we defend and how well we've played all year. It is a massive missed opportunity, in my opinion. And, and even if we had lost, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because we had secured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, qualification. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and, and it harks back when you see the ramifications of it, it's like you, you can't help but go backwards and review the entire group stage. You know, and as I said earlier, against Sociedad away, uh, against Benfica away, we played these heavily rotated teams. And I know that we were kind of like advocating for it at some point, but not to that extent. Um, and I guess if we can criticize Inzaghi, uh, as you mentioned, Erfan, a lot of it comes down to the kind of on the ground in real time reality of the situation. Like, um, we had 30 minutes or more to score a, th- a fourth goal against Benfica, but it kind of felt like we just, hey, we just came back from a three-goal deficit to tie it 3-3. Everyone give each other a round of applause. We've done a great thing here, you know, and then we kind of just switched off for the most part. And I know Barella had that chance and hit the post, but even then, uh, you know, prior to that point, I felt like we were pretty – we played it like a – controlling the game kind of mentality. We, we kept it at like a six out of 10. We didn't risk losing it, right? We didn't want to, we got to three, three and we didn't want to give them a chance to take, uh, you know, take the result back to four, three. So we kind of just kept it at three, three and had we won that game, you know, things could have been different. Likewise here against uh, Sociedad, as you guys mentioned, this is with all due respect, cause they deserve quite a lot of it. This is real Sociedad. It's not. It's it's not Barcelona. It's not even Atletico Madrid. It's not even like. It's not even like uh, you know, the two thousands version of Valencia. You know, and so when you look at the winners, it's you know literally just the elite clubs of European football, and then the group stage, the runners up were just. Essentially, am I am I being harsh by saying they're essentially Europa League teams in a way? You know, PSV, Copenhagen, Lazio. Uh, we got PSG there, and then Leipzig and Porto. Yeah, it's 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 what you'd expect to finish third in a normal Champions League group stage, isn't it? So, I have to be disappointed that we didn't take a more ruthless approach to not just the last game, but the last two or three games in the Champions League. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't want to go down that uh, rabbit hole again. So let's let's move on to uh, the draw proper. Who are you guys? I mean, is is there much debate? I mean, as long as you're not one of these lunatics who's like, oh, yeah, I want Man City so we can get revenge. Fuck off. Fuck you. I want Dortmund. That's all I want. Like, don't give me this don't give me this bravado shit about wanting Man City. We need it for the finances. We need it for the, you know, I, th- I think we do need it for the squad morale as well. Man City won all six games, by the way. Um, so let, let's not, you know, let's not. Let's not act tough for no reason. We want the the easiest team so we can go to, through the next round. And again, if I can have one final winch, had we come first place, yes, I know there's no guarantees. We've all spent a long time reiterating this, but had we come first place, it was almost a very strong likelihood that we would not only draw a weaker team, of course, but progress to the next round as well, to the round of uh, or to the quarterfinals. So, in my opinion. 
the difference between securing first place and second place is like, you know, if we had secured first place, it's like a 80% chance to get to the quarterfinals, you know, um, via uh, beating a, an easier team like PSV or Copenhagen. Now that we finish second, it's like a 60% chance of getting eliminated, if not more, um, probably higher, you know, the likes of Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona and stuff uh, are waiting for us. So it's got to be Dortmund for me. Uh, there is part of me that's like, yeah, maybe Arsenal, but, you know, I just hate English teams and I don't want to even, like, I don't want to, you know, even think about being eliminated by this fucking insufferable Arsenal team, this young and this young, brave Arteta's, you know, team. Fuck off. Um, I don't want to hear that nonsense. Uh, for me, Arsenal are the Milan of, of England. And uh, there's way too many parallels there, which I, I cannot tolerate. So I'd rather just avoid Arsenal. But to be, to be, um, oh, sorry, to be a bit more rational about it, Arsenal have these, you know, fast and skillful wingers. And I think that's exactly the kind of uh, lineup that we struggle against. So, I mean, if you put it that way, the only teams that I want to draw are Dortmund, <laughs> maybe Atletico. Okay, I'll give it you yeah, Dortmund and then Atletico. And then after that, it's pretty much, you know, same, same, to be honest. How about, how about you, Miko? Uh, as for Atletico, I feel like Arsenal would be probably better for us than Atletico because we know Simeone and uh, we know that we might actually play better against teams like, like Arsenal compared to teams like Atletico. But yeah, uh, you have a point. You have a point about the, the fast wingers, but I would say that we, we wouldn't be giving them much space in that matchup. It would it would be funny to see see how, how we play play against them. Aren't they like a top of the table at the EPL at the moment or something? Correct. They, they are, are top of the table after Liverpool drew against Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. So it, it would be like uh, interesting, interesting to see. But uh, of course, of course, I, I, I want also Dortmund. I don't think they are like particularly good. Good. They they want their group, but it was like quite a mess. The whole group. It was so called group of death. But I don't know. None of the teams were actually playing too well in that group i think just to give a quick shout out to andrew who made a point uh that the last match day uh in that group couldn't have gone any better dortmund uh came first uh which gives us a chance of drawing them uh psg made it through at the expense of milan uh and milan simultaneously made it through to the Europa League, which is good yeah. for us because it will distract them, but also uh, gave us some coefficient points as well um, for for the UEFA ranking. So that's, um, you know, it just ticked all the boxes. It was a brilliant final day to Group F. Um, let's hear it, Sterling. Yeah. Who, do you, who do you want other than, uh, or who, who do, why do you want Dortmund? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I actually don't want Dortmund. I actually want Arsenal. Um, I feel like we probably match up better uh, against Arsenal personally. Um, they do struggle against teams that can sit in a low block still. They've gotten a little bit better with that this year, but, you know, I do watch a decent amount of EPL. Um, you know, I am still American, I guess, but, um, you know, it's like it's a badge of honor to, to, to watch EPL games here. That's like the only thing that's on actual television, so... 
Um, so yeah, no, I see some, I, I actually watched Arsenal earlier today. I, I think that we would match up pretty well against them. Um, I think that if we could sit deep and, you know, just invite pressure kind of similar to how we've done in the Napoli game and the Lazio game that, you know, if we, if Inzaghi actually decides to play the starters in a Champions League game, that we actually might uh, be able to give them a really, a really tough time. Um, I don't want to play any Spanish team, particularly um, even Atletico. They're not what they were probably a couple of years ago, but Spanish teams always scare me in Champions League. Um, obviously, we just had a really tough time with Sociedad. Um, you know, obviously we didn't play our starters, but I still think that Spanish teams are always really tri- tricky and difficult. And I think that, you know, Atletico knows how to set up in a way that could potentially hurt us. And, you know, Real Madrid is Real Madrid. I don't think much needs to be said there. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say Arsenal um, or Dortmund, uh, obviously, as well. I think Dortmund probably on paper is the weakest side that won their group. Um, I think we could potentially knock them out as well. Um, after that, yeah, it's pretty much everybody's on the same playing field. You know, City, funny enough, does not scare me that much. Um, at least not with the way that they're playing right now. I don't think that they're as good of a team as they were last year when we played them. Um, I think Gundogan's uh, a big loss for them. Um, I do think that De Bruyne obviously is, has been a big loss for them so far this year. I'm sure he'll be back at some point, um, probably right in time for them to play Inter if that's the case. But, um, you know, he will come back into that team and they will get a little bit better. But overall, um, defensively, they've looked really poor this year. Um, I think they were just they just had their third draw in a row this weekend as well. So they're they're not looking quite as tough as they have in previous seasons. But the only thing I would say about them is that um, they have unlimited resources, so they could easily go and address that issue in January, and then you know get right back to looking like the team that they have for for so many years. But um, yeah, if I had to go one, if I had to pick one, I, I think I would still lean towards Arsenal. I can't believe you. I can't believe you. I mean, how how are you going to handle these these goons on AFTV calling us bomberclats after they beat us? You know what I mean. (laughs) Well, here's the thing too: is that you know I think that what Inzaghi maybe didn't think about, or maybe he didn't. He just doesn't care. Maybe he just wants to go out in the round of sixteen. I don't know, but you know we're going to probably have to play our starters now in the round of sixteen, right? So. Um, we, we're going to get That's a what I mean. That's team. what I mean. It could shoot know? us in the foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, guys. So n- now Come you're on. In a, <laughs> <laughs> unless Nzagi is a real madman and he's just going to rotate against, you know, a top team in, in Europe, which, you know, with the way that he's been so pragmatic this year, I could honestly see him doing it. Uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me um, if you see, you know, at least a, a partially rotated team, you know, Carlos Augusto, Fratesi, guys like that in the team. But you know, we're going to have two really tough matches, and that's also going to impact us in Serie A. Uh, whereas, to Jay's point, if maybe we do win the group, uh, maybe we can rotate and get away with it. Uh, you know, but anyways, it's kind of spilled milk at this point. But, you know, at this it, look, get, bring, bring me whoever it's going to be. As long as we are fit and we actually give it a go, I think that we have a chance against pretty much anybody right now. I'm telling you, man, if we get first place, we draw Copenhagen and we can play Aslani, Klaassen and still beat them 8-0 across two legs. It's it's Scudetto done. But now now we're going to play Barcelona and, you know, oh we're going to play Tarom. <laughs> now we're forced to play our best 11 because you can't play, you know, fucking, uh, you can't play Sensi and, and Quadrado against uh, 
again against you know Barcelona or Real Madrid. You know what I mean? So it, I'm glad it, you mentioned Barcelona actually because that is probably if I had to pick a La Liga team to play right now, it would be them. I don't know if you they, guys. They did really lose two games. They did lose two games in the group. So um, they are not good. They are not a strong team this year. Look, this is this is all very cute, uh, I'll admit. But here, look, here, here, here's the reality. I, I don't want to piece of Morata uh, at Atletico in the Champions League. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that guy's a killer. As much as <laughs> I don't want a piece of him at all. So no Atletico. Uh, and you guys already took my like main thought here, which was when I'm looking at this next matchup, I'm trying to think who does a Klassen, Agume, and Aslani midfield matchup best against. Because as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I will not be surprised at all if I don't care if we're playing Bayern or City. Like, this guy will probably just start our bench and, and, and like, try to, like, survive that way. If, if we've got any match in the Serie A coming up um, that week, that's that's worth a damn. Because, again, I just I, – I would not be surprised. I don't – I think we just don't care at all about the Champions League. I think that's where they're at right now. And whoever we match up against, we match up against. But – you know, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, depending on what's going on with our injury situation and and all this sort of stuff, is I'm not convinced that we would really give the round of 16 a good go. To be honest, I'm I just feel curious. like we would give it a good go had we drawn a shit team. But again, we're, we're going into a <laughs> cyclical argument here. Um, just a yeah. reminder that Real Sociedad are sixth in the Liga, but uh, I'll shut up now. I'm just curious from a financial standpoint. Is Prioritizing the Scudetto is that really the best move for the club? Long term, we would have got we would have got ten million for securing the next round of Champions League, uh, an extra ten million euros, and on top of that, there's the TV revenue and stuff like that. So, I mean, going to the, I believe, Miko, you're uh, you're much better on finances than I am. Tell me if I'm wrong, please. But um, I believe getting to the round of uh, or the quarterfinals is more profitable significantly than, than winning uh, the the champ uh, sorry the scudetto yeah if you, if you are like second or first in the in the serie a that's not much big of a difference i think so yeah it's definitely more profitable to be in the in the quarterfinals let alone further in the champions league but uh, i think it's not about the finances even if it is super important for Inter. I think we we still want to win. So, of course, the Scudetto, especially the second star, we we that's the that's the first priority. It's it's like a agreed. It's Dude, it's, I want. it's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty clear from anyone in the club by now. It was even like mentioned in the Christmas party that that's the that's the first priority. That's the focus. That's why. Inzaghi is rotating in the Champions League. But I want to say that I see no possibility that we will rotate in the round of 60, even if it was a Copenhagen. Maybe maybe one player or, or something, but no way. No way. <laughs> but it's it's interesting to see if, if you guys are right and you will like a field, field some, Don't take some bench guys there. Don't what take if my we had drawn- Aslani uh, winner at the Cap New away from me, okay? Aslani screamer. Oh, oh, Aslani, Aslani took that away from himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the three, three <laughs> um, I, I, what if – would we not rotate if we played uh, IB Leipzig? 
<laughs> I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so. We would have wrote it in that case either. Sorry, sorry, Andrew. Um, I was just gonna say, try to do a good Andrew impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, this That's is harsh. the absolute last, absolute last. I'm gonna complain about it before we move on. But what I will say is, um, actually, you know what? Let, let's leave it there. I was just gonna say that, um, you know, we could have actually made it easy for ourselves by the rotation because you got to, you know, think of the rotation ahead of time. Um, I guess the difficulty is not overthinking it, but kind of planning ahead appropriately. Like, um, and had we drawn a weaker team, we could have kind of um, projected to balance more rotation across the, you know, that that knockout game and the surrounding games. But now it's kind of like we're forced to play a stronger, you know, on, on aggregate kind of team across uh, the series of games, and maybe even, um, you know. If we are prioritizing the Scudetto so much, that means maybe forcing uh, players who could do with a rest. But all right, let's move on to... Can the... I just say one more thing on that real quick? Yeah, please, please. Yeah, so uh, the one thing I would say is that, I, you know, obviously I trust Murata, um, you know, a lot uh, when it when it comes to running this club, um, especially from a financial perspective. I don't think that you can say too much about Osilio and Murata and what they've done here. Um, they really kind of guided us out of the banter error, but... You know, if if a second star, but going out in the round of 16 still means that we have to sell a top player, I, I just question if that's the the right way to go about it. Um, I think that's going to happen. Why not? Yeah. It's but, happen but why not? Why not? Uh, but, but, it, uh, what's the logic? Like, if we, if we sell a player, we are, like, worse. But uh, if we keep the player, we are better for the next season. But if we don't win the Skudotta, like, uh, what's the... Because we are, I guess from a, since we from are, a sustainability are from a sustainability standpoint, I I just question how long we can get away with playing this game of every year you have to sell one of your top guys and then you know hope that you can essentially replace him and kind of keep that same level. Um, whereas you know maybe if you're, I guess going at it in both competitions and you make a deep run in Champions League and maybe you do just come up short. I you know I, I do understand that. Trust me, I've. I want to win trophies as much as the next guy does. Um, however, I would also, you know, we've been through some really rough times <laughs> with Inter, and I would really hate to slip potentially back into, you know, one of those three to four year gaps where we essentially aren't really competitive at all. Um, and I feel like financially, if you keep putting yourself in those positions where you continuously have to sell one of your better players every year that eventually you, you could potentially find yourself in that type of a situation again. That's, that's my fear. hundred percent. And, um, just a good segue to, uh, to, to this report that we saw midweek that, um, and it's just a, it's just a newspaper, you know, headline. So it's probably just speculation, fingers crossed, touch wood, uh, that, but it does confirm a suspicion that we had that Steven Zhang uh, desperately wants to keep a hold of the club, so desperately that he uh, is looking to refinance at all costs, even upwards of uh, even to taking a loan of twenty five percent, twenty five percent interest rate on the on the loan, which is, I mean, you may as well just you may as well just you know blow your brains off with, with a shotgun right there. That's what that is doing to the club. Should you take that kind of loan, but um. Um, I just want to give one final props to Auxilio. Um, You reminded me, Sterling, when you mentioned him. Um, he actually said something really – I really liked what he said. I don't know if it was at the Christmas dinner or thereabouts, but you know what he said was, yes, we're aiming for the second star. 
and then he kind of threw a bit of shade at the rest of the, at the rest of the big team, saying, you know, basically let let's let's cut the shit here. Everyone starts aiming for that second star, and then yeah, yeah. things go wrong, and then you start making excuses about oh we were aiming for top four all along, kind of thing. No, we're we're aiming for the for the for the scudetto. I really like that statement from him. It was it was ballsy, uh, you know, and I want to see that. Yes, I would like to see more balls uh, across the board, you know. Yeah, it was a good like a call out to like for example Allegri who's been like explaining well, well, well it's it's top four for Juventus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Into into they, the strongest play, team, is that true? Yeah, they, they don't even play in Europe and uh, we yeah. were targeting for top four and Champions League spot, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, so I, good, I like your like like impression. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that they have like a biggest transfer budget and like, and like a, or like the wage best bill. budget and wage bill and, and everything and they, they are targeting top four okay yeah right anyone have anything to say about the uh the round of 16 uh before we move on to uh the Coppa Italia all right let's move on we have easily the hardest team uh in the Coppa Italia of all the big teams uh yet another thing I can happily complain about um I do enjoy the occasional grumble um we have Bologna who are currently fourth after they predictably destroyed uh Roma today uh, meanwhile meanwhile our good friends uh Lazio beat Genoa last week Fiorentina barely scraped past Parma on penalties Napoli play Frosinone, Milan play Cagliari. Uh, of course, they get the easiest team. Uh, Atalanta have a tough one with Sassuolo, but Sassuolo are dismal this season. Roma have fucking Cremonese in Serie B, so I expect Cremonese to dispatch Roma with ease. Uh, and Juventus have Salernitana. So, as mentioned, we have by far and away the hardest draw, <laughs> which begs the question that we've been kind of cycling through this whole episode. How do we rotate? How do we? What kind of lineup do we put out here? Do we put out anyone because it's the Coppa Italia and it's a distraction to the Scudetto, or do we play a you know respectable team because they are fourth place and they could very uh, you know very uh, feasibly put up a good fight and take us to extra time, which would be you know the 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 outcome that we want to avoid. I would go like full Benfica and, and the second lineup and <laughs> see, see what's happening. <laughs> and but then, you know then he it's... won't. He won't. This is the Inzaghi Cup. This is the Inzaghi Cup. He's yeah. gonna go full. A thousand Saturday. percent. Yeah, who's the who's the to. former who's the former Bologna player to score a hat trick? Then just like Jao Mario, when we when we play a rotated when we take you know when we take things for granted and play a a, a rotated team, do it? Do they still have Mbaye or something like that? Or you know. No, yeah, it'll be Zerksy, and that, that'll alert the rest of Europe that he's worth 100 million euros and we'll outprice ourselves on a potential move in the future. Zerksy is already joining Milan in January to lead them to a, uh, <laughs> to lead them to a along unprecedented with rise at the table. Yeah. Along with Rafael um, Varane, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Varane. Uh, the reinforcement for summer. Um, I'm thinking Salamakas is a good shot for the person to you know, <laughs> plunge, the, <laughs> plunge the sword into us. Uh, on Thursday, um, but honestly, uh, it's a tough question. Uh, I think I, I would. I'm tempted to to just decide with Mika here and just play some absolute shitter lineup. Um, 
you know, this is a chance for me to harp on some, you know, you know, I, I realize I like finding, I like discovering hills and then dying upon them. So yes, this is a good chance know. for me to die upon a couple of hills. <laughs> so I'm going to say start a gume. Um, thoughts? Not, not that, not that far, not that far. Not, not that higher hill. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe Benfica away match, that kind of lineup, not Aguma. Okay, so that's, is there anyone that's too, that's too I much? Mean, I already know that Irfan is just yes. raging hard at the idea of seeing Aslani start here, but Absolutely. is there anyone else that anyone wants, you know, is there anyone that anyone particularly wants to see? I mean, like Sterling, are you like, you know, hankering for some Aldero or something? Quadrado? Oh God! I, I, you know, okay, I, I get it. I'm the Quadrado guy, probably. I'm not, probably the only person who was a fan of uh, that signing. But um, no, I, I actually don't think that we're we're going to rotate that much. Uh, funny enough, I think that we'll do kind of like a half lineup, like we've done in some of the Champions League games. I don't think you'll see as much as the Benfica away game. I think that um, for Inzaghi, as Irfan mentioned, this is like this is his competition. I mean, he he almost wins it every single year. So I, I don't see him taking Bologna lightly. Um, I think I'll be more interested to see what Tiago Mata does. Um, does he, you know, go all out against Inter uh, and try and, you know, knock us out of the cup, take another big scalp and, you know, potentially keep this comp- this this competition going for his team? Or does he say, hey, we have a good thing going in the league right now. Maybe we just, hey, you know, everyone gets a free hit against Inter, right? If you know, there's no shame for Bologna going out against a, an Inzaghi team in the Coppa Italia, it happens to everybody, right? So, um, you know, maybe he just says, hey, I'll just go ahead and uh, take this easy loss here and uh, move on to, you know, really competing for the top four in Serie A, which would be unprecedented for Bologna. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he does, but I think from our standpoint, um, you'll definitely see some rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if neither uh, Lautaro or Taram start the match, and I would actually probably be in support of that. Um, but I, I do think that you'll see um, some starters, certainly in the defense. I don't think that a Turby is, is going to play for sure. Um, Darmion will probably play somewhere in the lineup as well. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'll get a, a Guam sighting at some point, but I'm certainly not going to hold my breath against that. And even if he does play, he'll play, in my opinion, the wrong position. So um, it kind of is what it is. Uh, can I just say one thing really quick? I, I do think, you know, we talked a lot about rotation, uh, and I think rightfully so. But, you know, to his credit, he's been okay rotating, e- 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 even if it's been like kind of forced at times. He's been okay rotating the wingbacks and the and the center backs um, because of injury, because of other reasons. I think – We've we haven't really skipped a beat there, and I think the the issue is that we actually have decent backups at those positions. We, we're a pretty deep team. The problem really with rotation, when we say rotation, is that um, <laughs> we can't win without Taram and Lotaro basically, and the 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 fall the you know the the drop in quality from those two makes it almost impossible to actually rotate. Uh, the other guy I think yeah, that really yeah. does need to be rotated a little bit is Mkhitaryan. Like, I mean, he's got to stop playing him 90 minutes a match consistently. Like, there's got to be somebody else that can kind of serve that role in, in a rotation element. Um, but other than those three players, like, I feel like he does fine rotating, and I think we have a decent squad for rotating. So it's not rotation itself that's the problem. It's it's the fact that we can't – the, the backup forwards are just miserable. That's the problem. 
I just want to see a Klaassen goal. Is that too much to ask? I mean, for some reason, I'm really rooting for this guy. He's just such a, he's just such a, uh, an underdog story. It's like the classic American football movie, Rudy. You know, he's just such a nerd. He's got some uh, terrible looking hair transplant and he's kind of red in the face and looks really unathletic. Um, so it's just like this, you know, yeah, it's just this real underdog story for me. Like, uh, I just really want to see Carson score a goal for some reason. Um, but yeah, I agree uh, entirely. Um, I guess closer to the January Mercato, we'll have some proper talk about it. But I, I don't see how you can how you can go into the second half of the season and not reinforce the front line, even if it's like, I mean. Kaiseido because Kaiseido reinforcement is barely a reinforcement, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, it, it's it's like a one percent reinforcement. I don't I don't see how you can go into yeah the second half of the season without even bringing in like a Kaiseido level, just like a body percent replacement. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. just a body. Yeah. You, can't, you can't even rely on Arnautovic and Sanchez to be available, really, let alone effective. Exactly. So you need exactly, something. Exactly. But you know who should you know who should definitely start against Bologna is Sensi. He should 100 percent start. <laughs> That's actually a. Uh, sorry, I'm just conditioned to to laugh whenever I hear his name. But you're actually, I think you're actually right. I think you're actually right. That would be good. I want to see Fratesi uh, obviously play a full ninety. Um, I mean, who else do we even have in this in this team? Um, oh, Pavard made the bench today. I think so. You know, could we see Pavard get some time here? I mean, surely he's got to play here so that we can start to ease him back into fitness, you know? Yeah, I, I think he's so. ready to play. So. Yeah. Give him, give him 20 minutes maybe. I, I would hate to start him against Bologna and the Coppa Italia and, you know, him re-aggravate something that would really um, be unfortunate. But, you know, at some point you, you need to start working him back in so we can get up to, to fitness again because, you know, we're certainly going to need him um, that whole right wing back, right center back situation has been really stretched um, with both Pavard and Dumfries and Quadrado being out uh, at the same time. You know, um, I, I would say really quickly, you know, to touch on Bisek, because um, I think we kind of glossed over him earlier, but he had a really good performance today against Lazio. And I thought he had a really good performance against Udinese and, you know, um, away at Benfica, he kind of had a terrible first half and then picked it up in the second half. But, you know, um, that's another, uh, good piece that we have kind of stumbled a, a, upon there. Um, cause I know I was going to ask, you know, you guys, the question that when the podcast started is who would you rather, or what would you rather purchase if you had to choose between a right wing back and a striker? Um, however, I think with the performance of BSAC all of a sudden, you know, and the lack of performance from our striker, I think it probably become more and more uh, clear that the striker would probably be what most of us would spend our money on. But um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to BSEC because I think that he's actually been tremendously strong um, since stepping in here. So that would actually be a player I'd like to see continue uh, to get minutes and maybe Bologna would be another good chance for him to continue to kind of spread his wings a little bit. Yeah, agreed. I mean, like until, I mean, I don't see there's any point in playing uh, Darmian at right centre back right now. Uh, you know, considering the uh, the slight emergency at right wing back, where Darmian is our only fit uh, right wing back. 
we have to kind of save him for that position, even though I much prefer Damian as a right center back. Uh, Bisek is not a liability at the moment, so keep Bisek there until Pavard is ready to take the spot. Uh, keep Damian at right wing back until, you know, and I guess rotating with like, I don't know, Carlos Augusto, even Fratesi, whatever, um, until we get Dumfries back. And then, yeah, I just don't want to see like uh, Bisek's, you know, what little chances he gets kind of derailed by this needless over rotation of, um, yeah, of Inzaghi not wanting to play certain players in consecutive games. Like Bisek should have started against um, Sociedad as far as I'm concerned, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Darmian. I do understand him not doing that. that. Yeah, yeah. Darmian looked a bit off. Yeah, I think he he's probably he, he's showing some wear now because I mean he's basically thirty four. Yeah, and the poor guy's been platooning in like every position possible, like of need. You know, um, he's, so, he's been a first team player for like the better part of yeah. a year now since Skriniar got you know since Skriniar fucked right. off. Um, so to Sterling's question, I agree. I I, I don't even think it's close anymore. I, I think you have yeah. you have to get you have to get a forward. You have to get a forward in January, or you're doing kind of what we did two years ago, where you're tossing the Scudetto over because you're going to go out and get someone like Caicedo, who's a total joke. Like this is this this team has a chance. Juventus is still only four points back, or whatever it is. Yeah, so like this is the time to go out get a forward. You don't have to splash money. Get someone on loan, someone who's decent, um, and then just lock it up. So the more importantly, though, Milan is only it, it, nine points back. <laughs> but then you heard what Marotta said. Marotta said that there's not going to be a forward signing because we have Mkhitaryan. <laughs> Correct. Uh, uh. Well, that's the thing, and so that's what you know. That's where I kind of want to get you guys' opinion on is that you know uh, obviously we all feel like um, the, the forward is the obvious choice, but our management has come out now, um, I think, on two different occasions and basically said that we're not signing a striker, so get over it. And, um, you know, number and, and I think Auxilio even said that they're going to sign a Quadrado replacement. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, the the management and I, look, who am I at this point not to trust them? Right. Because they kind of uh, let us uh, out of the dark ages, as I mentioned before, uh, they seem to more times than not get it right. Um, but they, they feel like what this squad is lacking right now is another right right wing back and not a not a striker. So. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Jay? I'll take anything I can get. Um, I mean, it's it. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like it's that uh, binary a choice between striker. We have you know we have five million to spend. It has to be a striker or it has to be a a right wing back. If they're just going to say fuck you, we're not buying a striker, but we're getting a right wing back. Then I guess we have to you know I'm not going to say no. Don't buy a right wing back. So 100, percent we should get whichever you know whichever. Uh, semi-retired 35-year-old that we can find in Serie A. Um, Kandreva. We were linked to Kandreva. And I was saying <laughs> only Inter can replace a 35-year-old Quadrado with a 36-year-old Kandreva. Seriously. like <laughs> Who hasn't played as a wingback in a long time. He's been playing I don't know, striker. Exactly. He's, he's basically got like – he's basically like the – Selenitana are dead last right now. He's basically like the Messi of Salerno where he's just um, – <laughs> He's got a free role. He's got a free right. role. He's roams and you know, and just he's like a playmaker and long distance shooter. It's like when you see um, 
it's like when you see Del Piero come to the A League in you know Sydney Sydney FC in the A League is like 38 years old but and severely over the hill but still significantly outclasses anyone in Australia so he does whatever the fuck he wants. That's kind of Candreva and Salernitana. He just does whatever he wants. Like I said, free roll, kind of roaming between the lines and just has license to make plays and take pot shots from 40 meters and stuff. But you know, that just just let him have his fun. You know what I mean? Don't bring him back and have him just fruitlessly storm up and down the flank and in, in some system wing back role. Let let the guy you know have his have his fun. No no so no let's sound... bring him back. Let's bring him back to win the scudetto. He deserves it. He he does, <laughs> but I I feel like the, the scudetto we won uh with Conte was, you know, partially his as well. So he's already won one. There you go. It, it, so, it sounds like we kind of have already picked out, or at least the management kind of has picked out who they want their right wing back uh, purchase to be. It sounds like it's going to be uh, Buchanan? John Buchanan, yeah, um, who is uh, plays for Club Bruges currently in Belgium. You know, I, I can't, I'm certainly not going to sit here and pretend like I watch any Club Bruges matches. I've uh, never seen one, uh, to be honest with you, uh, but I have seen him for Canada quite a few times, um, obviously being a, a CONCACAF fan that I am supporting the United States, I've had to um, watch him tear our left side up a couple of different times for Canada. And he does look like an interesting player uh, from what I've seen. He does seem like he has a lot of pace. And um, if we do think about it to kind of put a brighter spin on things in terms of the long-term squad building uh, that we would need to do for, for Inter here, um, I do think that Dumfries is probably going to be moving out this summer, if I had to guess. Um, sounds like they've been having some issues getting him to sign a new contract. He wants to be paid far beyond what the club feels that he's worth. And I, you know, have to agree with him on that. I don't think that he's worth uh, the 5 million net that he's requesting. So um, it does look like long-term, we're probably going to need a replacement uh, for Dumfries there. And if we are really being honest, I think we've probably needed a Dumfries upgrade for for quite some time. Um, when it comes into those really, really big matches, um, you know, the Juventus match, obviously, this this year comes to mind. Um, Dumfries just doesn't really have the technical quality to impact those matches. Um, I know I've heard Jay mention one time that that famous switch from DeMarco to Dumfries in the Champions League final where he has all the space in the world and he basically just turns around and passes it back to, you know, a center back. Right. So I think that there is probably some long term squad growth that we could potentially get from uh, signing a, a right wing back. And, you know, maybe that's what Morata and Auxilio are thinking long-term. Maybe they prefer to just try and pick up something like that now and then uh, potentially save a big forward signing for the summer. That's the only but thing I could really think of. More likely you just bring back someone from loan in the summer, like Esposito or somebody. <laughs> I'm not sure they'll splash anything big unless they get rid of Toronto. Uh, Carboni. Yeah. Yeah, good shout. I, I, I think Buchanan, I don't think he's too too likely to come at this point because it's pretty clear, at least in the media, that Zhang don't allow to spend any, like anything or almost anything in this window. So it's going to be like Cantreva or Nathan Nandes or someone like that. Okay, so, it's, it's not like it, us to go out your, and... Your, Pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like us to go out and sign some you know young, uh, <laughs> unproven talent from some you know 
uh, smaller league like the Eredivisie or, or Belgian league. Um, yeah. That's a very football manager thing to do. Not that it's bad, but it's not like us. We we definitely, uh, as Miko said, we definitely uh, prefer to go the the tried and tested Serie A veteran kind of route. So, yeah, uh, actually, I think I would prefer Nandez to Kendreva now that you mention it. Um, <laughs> well, those 25% yeah, interest payments aren't going to pay themselves. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shall we yes. uh, briefly touch upon uh, the Lecce game before wrapping up? Look, all I want is, let, let's say, 3-1 into Lecce, and the one Lecce goal is scored by Basquirotto, and he does his flexing uh, celebration after he scores. That, that's all I want. I'll take that. I'm going 2-0, 2-0 Inter on that one. Yeah, I'm going to go four nil for Inter. Four nil. Uh, I think. It, I, I think it depends a lot on the lineups between the Bologna and the Lecce matches. Because, but if we are prioritizing the Scudetto, then you'd expect a stronger lineup against Lecce than Bologna. Yeah, that 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 that's my expectation. But if 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 Inzaghi decides otherwise for some reason, then it might be like more more rotation in the Lecce match because it's a home match. I could see it being a bit bit kind of a like in the Udinese match. We we like had not too much troubles with them. We like overran them in the first half. So I would expect maybe same kind of match against Lecce, but I have to say I haven't like followed them so I can't really say much about how they play, but they haven't been like great this season. So uh, the five five games oh, undefeated right now. Uh, they okay, won their most okay. recent game, drew the four before then, and they had a strong start to the season before kind of plummeting for a little while. They're currently twelfth. Yeah, yeah, they have actually twenty points, but that's not bad. Yeah, they've only okay. draw. They've only lost four times, which is the same amount as Milan. Um, less than Napoli, Fiorentina, Roma, Atalanta. Um, yeah. But they've drawn eight times, so yeah. Okay, so they, they are stronger than, than Udinese, definitely. Well, I guess it should be like... <laughs> Udinese are 1, 10, and 5. 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's go with the first team then. And that one win from Udinese comes against Milan. Um, just a reminder. But yeah, um, what can I say? Let's uh, let's just you know keep the end of the year nice and tidy. There's three games until the end of the season: the Bologna match, the Lecce match, and then a week after the Lecce match, we travel to Genoa, who just took a point of Juve, of course. I just want three wins, three routine wins, no bullshit, no you know no interbells, no no whatever, um, just three clean wins, and then I'll be a happy man come January six. Amen. All right, um, All right, let's wrap it up there. Everyone, thanks for listening. Um, as always, appreciate your time uh, helping us out, Sterling. And I guess uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, thanks, everyone. Goodbye. All right, take it easy. See y'all. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.